good afternoon, evening, morning. Thank you for listening whenever you're listening to Public Servants Announcements. This is our fifth episode, and we have a another really great guest, someone who's incredibly inspirational, um, has an incredible story. Um, I've worked, I want to say with him, but this is another person where I definitely will say I worked under him. Um, and got to learn a lot in a really short period of time. Um, and he's still a really good follow on Facebook because um, he gives me regular motivational videos that aren't even necessarily meant for me. So mm-hmm. I would like to introduce Mr. John Rogers. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for having me, Shelman. Thank you. Um, so give our audience a little bit about you. Tell them kind of what makes you a public servant, how you got there, just your background and how you kind of got the quick version of how you got to where you are now. Where I am now. Good. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was, I was born and raised in, or well, born in Houston, Texas, moved here to uh, Dallas for the most part back when I was about six years old, I'm 39 now. And, um, and did what everybody is supposed to do, which is go to school, get some good grades, get a good job. Uh, I worked at the Dallas central appraisal district in tax appraisal for about eight years in gotten a spot where like I just saw people moving freely (laughs) in the middle of the day. And I was like, either they don't have jobs or they figured out some type of way to make money without working. And so I started looking for something. I didn't know what that something was. Um, And then Primerica Financial Services found me through my cousin and I was a training appointment, which I was super skeptical about. Um, but decided to take the appointment, didn't want to do anything financially, but I was looking to make extra money. And so that that career path found me as a godsend that I didn't know I was I had been praying for. And so started part time, didn't quit my full time job, um, just kind of leading up to where I am today. And then seven and a half years later, <laughs> here I am as a regional vice president and office owner and out here in Plano, Texas and um still learning every single day but uh from a different aspect side of the um industry and so just to kind of end why do i see what we do as a public service i mean obviously people understand insurance and investing money and getting out of debt and becoming financially literate um and financially independent and all those things those are public service things like you're serving the public by getting them a policy in case a loved one passes away or teaching them how to invest money so they can get to um, uh, financial dependence later. But the other side that I've learned is the side I focus on is building distribution and helping other people not only make more money uh, so that they can get out of debt faster, but helping them find who they are. (laughs) And using this just as a vehicle, a lot of times where people are need a coach or a confidant or a team, that's the aspect that's really starting to make a lot more sense to me um, at this point in my in my career. So uh, to answer your question, Shelvin, yeah, like a lot of what we what I do as a public servant now is like teaching people how to be the best man or father or husband or wife that they can be in only reason they listen to me is because they got involved in life insurance and investments to make some extra cash part-time. So that's kind of where I'm at now. I work for Primerica. I do believe in the company. 
I wouldn't say I work there now. I wouldn't say I do it now, but I definitely did. I definitely believe in the company. But one of the things, because I tried it twice, um, mm-hmm. and one of the things that really hooked me the second time was that when I sat in on that meeting, not the first meeting, but the second meeting with John, he went very, very deep into not just how insurance can help your family. Well, I knew those things already, um, but building a legacy. Um, and it hit me right at a time where I had just started my school. And so I was in the building phase of life. And so how do you, why is that one of your focuses? Because I've sat in on a bunch of meetings. I've heard you talk to a bunch of different people. And so I know that building that legacy is something you focus on. Why is that one of your focuses? Yeah, I asked, um, I asked somebody a question one time. I asked myself this question first. And so I guess I'll present it that way instead of talking about the person. But I was like, John, how come, you know, when you were like younger, you probably thought about it, maybe not really in depth, but you're like, man, I just wish we was rich. You know, I just wish like I wasn't born wealthy. And you toggle back and forth with people and argue back and forth about money and happiness and all that other stuff. And you're going to have your opinion. However, I think both parties would agree if finances weren't a worry, you could focus on way other, you could focus more on the other stuff that really is important if that just wasn't a thing. So I asked myself, I said, John, how come you weren't born just filthy rich? Like your mama and I, you know, how come that, how come that hadn't, that wasn't your upbringing? And the more and more I thought about it, Shelman, I was like, it's because nobody actually i'm sure there were people that thought about generational wealth and starting a legacy and starting to want to build and those things but they either didn't start it they for sure didn't finish it if they started it because <laughs> otherwise the rogers family last name would be like a rockefeller or a you know uh uh walton or it doesn't really matter what you know you can list the people and so that thought crazily made me feel and again this is my opinion about me this is I don't want to step on anyone else's toes and make them feel less than they are but it made me feel very selfish Mm -hmm. and so I was like okay if my life is spent starting the generational wealth to where my son them are the pillars that really get it going I've lived my life well because the reason no one started wealthy here is because no one ever did it in the past. So that's what kind of kickstarted the thought of like, I want to start focusing with the people that I bring into my business. Well, let's start talking about building a legacy. Cause if you don't, you know, kind of end with this, that, that question, I just don't think selling life insurance and investments keeps people around very long. The average life insurance salesman or saleswoman's life shelf life is about three to five years and they burn out so i know even if you're making money that's not going to keep you in the game that's not going to keep you in the business it's the relationships and seeing yourself grow and seeing the change in your life and other aspects that you didn't realize were going to happen that keeps you around the community so um that's kind of where legacy started for me and and wanting to implant that in in the hearts of others just maybe awareness. Okay. So I'm not going to be, I'm, I'm going to step on the toes. It is selfish to 
to live a life where you don't think about what you're leaving behind. Yeah. Because, I mean, what you learn in life is that if you don't think about something, that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It just means you have no control over how it happens. So if I'm not thinking about leaving behind a positive legacy, I'm probably going to leave behind a negative legacy. Mm. Because you don't, you don't do the things necessary to create that legacy. And so in getting a good job, in saving money, in making sure you have a life insurance, if you need a life insurance, like if you aren't leaving behind tons of money, then you need to make sure that people have a way to pay for your funeral. Because that is, in a lot of cases, the funeral is a lot of people's family's last gift to them versus the other way around like you shouldn't have to pay because i died but in a lot of cases that is what's happening someone dies and then the family or the community the friends have to put their resources together to give that person a homegoing celebration or a celebration of life or whatever you want to call it and that's that's a small level not to mention house debt credit card debt if i'm not leaving behind a legacy of education I'm not leaving behind a legacy of financial literacy. So what are some of the steps do you think people can take to really start building that? Because a lot of people, from what I've heard, the people I've talked to, they think it's too late. And that's why they don't do it. They get to a point where they say, oh, well, I probably should have done that at 15, 16, 17, 18. But Mm -hmm. now I'm 40. And so it's too late for me. I've already worked 20 years in my nine to five jobs. So I can't start building a legacy now. What do you tell those people? So that's a good question. And I was actually just uh, speaking with a gentleman outside of my office here who's heard of the company. Dad was in the company back when it was A.L. Williams and stuff. And um, But he's 55 and in a sales job. And he was like, I just don't have the time to start investing some money. And it and it be something for me. So now it's about to go back to what we just talked about that you said, I'm okay with stepping on the toes. All right, so let's say you're 55 and your time is about out of time. You don't have 30 years to enjoy the money you save and invest. Okay, so what would you have wanted your dad or grandpa to do for you if you were 11 and he didn't have time, right? Would you want to start at 30 with at least a platform? financially so when i talk to it's a hard conversation because it i mean it's very um what's the word i'm looking for is it's a hard conversation because it's very it's it's just it's true that you kind of don't have the time that it would take Mm -hmm. to invest money in a diversified investment That's going to take 20, 30 years to really start seeing some fruits of. So what's the alternative? You better figure out a business to build. Right. Because you think about that. Okay. Well, college, the average time, you know, and you just people that go back to college at 55. (laughs) Right. And they spend four years going back to college or three years or whatever that is to finish up because they had an associate's. Okay, well, if you applied that same three years, three to five years of time and hustle into some type of business, whichever it is, do your research, right? Into some type of business, well, maybe you build generational wealth through your business 
in three to five years and now you're 60 or 65, depending on where you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you got 10 years to enjoy the fruits of it before you pass it to the next generation and maybe they grow it. So I just, I think, you know, when I talk to people about that, I, I try to be logical, Shelman. I'm like, all right, I mean, it, we can be emotional as we want to and complain, but mm-hmm. it's not getting us anywhere. So what's our, what's our choices? <laughs> Do you have any other suggestions? You know, we can invest money for the next generation and build a business while we're doing that for you to be able to enjoy some of the, some of the fruits of your labor now, but that's about all we got played a lotto. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great that you said you just try to be logical because what, what your business is, is an emotion driven business dealing with life insurance. That is people's emotions. A lot of people will tell you, I don't have a life insurance policy because I don't want to think about dying. I don't have a will because I don't want to think about death. Well, why not? Well, because it's sad. It's scary. But it's also really like logically it is going to happen. You are going to die. Hopefully not before you can set your family up long term. But realistically, you are going to die. So what is the best way to make sure that when that happens, not if that happens, but when that happens, you've done what what you need to do to make sure that your family is taken care of? Because that's the logical step. What are some of the pushbacks you get to those conversations? Like life insurance in general? Mm-hmm. Um, mainly when it comes to like the life insurance industry piece of it is, is I get more pushback. I don't want to call it pushback. People, it's lack of education. Okay. So like... Um, I don't like to say the word ignorance because it people take it as a negative. That just means lack of, lack of knowledge in an area, period. Right. You know what I mean? So I'm ignorant in a lot of spots. So most of the time, people are relying on their job stuff. They don't feel like they don't have it because that's frowned upon. Mm-hmm. How you'll love your loved ones that's going to survive. You're not good. I got it through work. Right. Okay. And so it's, it's, it's the educating them on, okay, that's a good thing, but more often than not, you're either drastically underinsured because you talked about it earlier. You talked about most people get money to bury them. Mm-hmm. $15,000 funeral. Okay, what you just left behind a wife, a $250,000 mortgage, two kids as one in three, and one less paycheck in the house. <laughs> So you didn't think about all of that stuff. I had a client one time and I don't want to get to off subject, but he, he, he didn't, I was new in the business showman and he helped me learn something because he factored in the child support his child wouldn't be getting right. 17 years. He said, that needs to be factored into my policy. And I said, that's a good point. Never thought about that. You pass away child support. Pay, pay, he's going to keep hitting. The, and so um, it's the literacy, the financial literacy of, illiteracy i should say of people when they think they're good with their work insurance to really answer your question the pushback of getting a policy people don't say no forever they just say let me think about it which means no or i'll get back to you which means no and they 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 you're right our business is emotional the trick is to try to get people to think logically. Right. 
And if you ever thought about it, you know, if you thought about yourself, if I thought about myself over the past 39 years, if every decision I made was a logical decision, <laughs> be so much better off at this point at 39. Yeah, I'd be retired already. Be done. You know, everything made well, what happens? And what's the only argument? Then why wasn't every decision logical? Because you allowed emotions to cloud the logical decision. Fill in the blank <laughs> or whatever that is. And that life insurance is one of them. I want to stick my head in the sand. I just want to act like it's not going to happen, even though my cousin had to get a GoFundMe last week. Right. So um, the pushback a lot of times is I can't afford it, which 50 bucks a month, people go spend that on food. And my mom, like my mom says, ends up in the toilet. And so you have nothing in it. Or uh, I just don't think I need it. I've had people say that. You know, they don't plan on dying. Here's my last point, and I'll kind of turn it back over to you, is it's the thought of knowing that things, like you said, I don't I don't want to think about it happening, even though I know it's happening. I tell people all the time, we know people getting car wrecks all the time from drinking and driving, yet people still go out and drink and drive. Don't think it's going to happen. Texting and driving, horrible. Still text and drive. I don't know the audience on here, but unprotected sex leads to certain things. <laughs> Still do it, you know. So it's it's the same thought of I know I just saw my friend, my three friends pass away that I went to high school with. They didn't have life insurance, they had to go fund me. But it's you know, it's probably not gonna happen to me, so <laughs> I'm I'm okay. Right. So that's more of the pushback that, that I would say I get. Okay. And so okay, and this is the last question about Primerica, and then I'm gonna move on. But okay, it is Primerica is a company, and I I knew this from my first instance with Primerica and then also from doing it a second time um, and having friends who do it um, and family members that are in the business. What, mm-hmm. what makes you go against the grain? Because joining Primerica and staying with Primerica is going against the grain. Most yes. people turn you down. Even mm-hmm. if they do jump in, most people filter Quit. themselves out very quickly. Yeah. So what keeps you motivated to stay in and keeps you motivated to go in um, and to just kind of ignore the naysayers and the people who call it a scam or a pyramid scheme or all of those things? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a vehicle. So like when I. Hold on, plug it in my computer. I just realized this thing is at like three percent. So um, it's a vehicle. It's a vehicle. And so once I realized that Shellman is like, okay, there's a uh, one of the mentors, he said what he did before he ever found Primerica is he mapped out exactly what he wanted his life to be like. This is before he found Primerica. This is when he's working his regular job and the lifestyle he wanted to be able to travel as long as he wanted to, when he wanted to, and go to places he wanted to. Um, basically, he had to put a, a an income per month with freedom mm-hmm. on that lifestyle he wanted. And so he came up with $30,000 a month. He said, I need $30,000 a month coming in and the ability to leave when I want to and be gone however long I want to. So he said, what happened when I did that, that eliminated a lot of vehicles. <laughs> right. You know, the $70,000 job doesn't fit. That doesn't fit what I want. So I can change what I want or I can, okay, that, that job ain't gonna work. Blah, 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 blah. So when I got involved in primary, I could make 500 bucks extra a month. 
the vehicle fit right then. Well, if, if it stays there, I quit the business. If, if that's my goal, as I started learning over and it took years, but as I started learning, I started realizing like, Oh crap, people are making real money in this business and changing their family because they understand it's a vehicle. I'll tell people all the time, I don't work for Primerica. Primerica, you work for Primerica, you in Duluth, Georgia, one of 2,000 employees in that home office, the mm -hmm. independent contractor. They're just a business partner funding my business. It's a different mentality. You know what I mean? And so you start changing thoughts on that. But what keeps me going is the fact that my mama ain't going to retire and she's 70. We just talked about it. Ain't no more time left. 70. So no money saved. And she, you know, I tell her story all the time. So like, it's a vehicle. I still love football. 39, I can't play it. I thought about getting into coaching for an ISD, but I know during season, if you want to win, that's 90 hours a week gone. Don't see my family. Yeah. Wasn't interested in that. So I knew, okay, if I get a business vehicle that can pay me passive income, I get it to enough to where I can open a sports complex. I can hire everybody to run it. Right. Mm -hmm. Show up when I want to, because I'm just the owner, mentor the kids, do all that fun stuff and leave. Right. So what keeps me from not worried about the naysayers? I have a I have a um and if I talk about it too long, I probably end up in tears. I have an audio from my mom where she's in tears and she don't cry. I've seen her cry three times in 39 years and none of them were at funerals. It was like tough spots for her. So whenever I have somebody say, I said scam or it's a pyramid scheme or they quit or they whatever, whatever happens, it happens all the time. If it gets too tough, I play that audio mm -hmm. of my mom, like really in the tough. And it just reminds me like, no, you're in this business to retire your mom and you're in this business to make sure you do financial to um, here's the thing that I write down to kind of in that one of my visions is for my family to never have to bring up finances in any decision in right. the future. Like whatever the decision, my cousin has cancer. You can't pay for the treatments. Okay. Where do I need to wire money? It's not a, Oh, how much is that going to cost? We need to get our funds together. You know, that's a, it's deep. <laughs> right. But it's a thought process. Cause I'm like, how freeing is that? I can really focus on, the fact that my house burned down and I almost, and someone's injured in the hospital because of it. And I ain't thinking about what are we going to do financially right now <laughs> Right. on top of it. So those are the things it has to be deeper. First, your goal, whatever your goal is, that vehicle will suffice. If your goal is to pay your bills, your job probably going to suffice. <laughs> mm -hmm. If your goal is to make significance, Certain jobs, once the call center may not, you know, suffice. You may have to go to get into podcast, and you trying to change thoughts and 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 like you said, be a voice for people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, then you working at Affleck Insurance call center, they might not work for you. The vehicles, you know, what I mean, it's just a vehicle. So once you understand, I think it helps you lock in and and keep going. If that answers. Okay. And so you've used Primerica to branch out and do other things. Mm -hmm. What what got you into the, I don't want to call it motivational speaking because I'm not sure if that's what you call it. But for me, that's what it seemed. When you're posting your videos, your, mm -hmm. your I, I want to call them vlogs. But again, I'm not sure if that's what you call them. 
what got you started doing that? Man, I I listened to uh, a guy by the name of Rob Dial, and um, he's an online coach. And um, I, I initially went into and did his three-day course because I was like, I could probably learn some stuff about coaching. That's pretty much what I do. You know what I mean? Is life insurance and investments in the financial aspect, but I'm coaching people through life a lot of times. Mindset, you know, we talked about that all the time. Like your mindset got to be in the right spot or you lose. So um, I, I initially got on there to do that. And he got me to realizing, because I didn't realize he was trying to teach people how to be coaches. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said something. He said, think about this. He said, because some of them were dealing with the imposter syndrome. Like, I don't even, I'm not a, I'm not certified to be a coach or I'm not certain. I don't have a piece of paper and all that stuff. He's like, you don't need no piece of paper. I don't have a piece of paper. He's like, I coached over 1,100 coaches, blah, 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 blah. And so um, he said, think about this. Think about a spot you were in five years ago. Like maybe one of your darkest spots of your life, or maybe it wasn't five, maybe it was three years ago or however long. Whatever that spot you're in, you're on the other side of it now. He said, how well do you think Shellman today, knowing what you know now after the event, <laughs> could go back to Shelvin five years ago in the event and coach him out of it faster? Right. And I was like, that's powerful. He said, so that's all a coach is. Everybody has coaches are always working to get better and they're always learning something. They're a work in progress. Coaches have coaches. And so he was like, you got to think about how many people are out there that you could affect positively by sharing your knowledge that you have up to this point. That's where the posting of the videos every single day as much as possible came from. So yeah, it's going to be motivation for some people. It's going to be realization for other people. Mm -hmm. Demotivation for some, it's going to hit people in different areas, but it's kind of goes back to what we talked about at the beginning. How selfish am I to be doing all this personal growth and intentional living and all that stuff and not share the thoughts with the world? Because I don't, I didn't know it was a, I didn't know you looked at it, honestly. You know what I mean? So there's tons of people that look at it and it may help. Every now and then I get people that are messing with my manager. I appreciate that. So yeah, you share that stuff for it's it's a it's a reason behind doing it. So yeah. Where it came from, and so how does being in sales and having a being self-employed, how does how do those things affect your mental health moving forward? <laughs> um, it it affects it for daggone sure. When you're in, uh, sales is you have to emotionally separate from the work mm -hmm. sometimes when it sells because it's a numbers game <laughs> and I think people emotionally attach even though I just did a, one of my one of my um things I posted just just a second ago I was talking about Bill Gates Bill Gates took his idea to 1200 people mm -hmm. only 11 <laughs> made him rich that's less than one percent so you imagine going around and getting 1,189 no's. <laughs> That's going to affect you. 
you trying to start something new. You're like, is this even the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? You know, so when you're in any form of sales, rejection can have an impact on your mentality, the way you think, your thought process, uh, self-reflection. Here's here's a here's a here's a less deep form, right? Right? Because people don't think about sales this way. You ever tried to go talk to a girl or a, a somebody you like and they say no? <laughs> Rejection. That hurt. Yeah. Right? So you that was a sale. I don't know if people realize that. You went over there, you tried to pitch to make a sale, to get a number, to hopefully date, to hopefully, and they said no. Mm -hmm. That hurt your feelings. Until what? You start doing it a lot. I'm not going to really go into depth, but like back when we were younger, kids, when you were younger, and boys would be boys. People knew the numbers. So right. like, I may go get 10 no's at the club, but one of these girls saying, yeah. And you mean it? So they emotionally, and that's a horror, that's, that's a bad example, but you can keep it on here. But um, they emotionally removed themselves from the sales process. And just know it's just a numbers game. Um, the flip side to that, and I don't know if you're leading into this, but I'll go ahead and say it because it all is, is mental. You have to be filling up your cup. Yeah. If you're not filling up your cup with some type of podcast like we're on or some type of audio or reading or, you know, depending on your belief, um, you know, spiritual aspect or, your circle, holy crap! <laughs> you got, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll beat your butt up, the sales game or just being in the self-employed game, because it can feel very alone because ain't nobody. Most people are right up in the normalcy, you know, and they don't want to. They can't, they can't really connect with you on your struggle, right? Because they went and clocked in and clocked out like, you know, most people do so. Um, yeah, it affects you mentally for daggone sure on both sides. Right. Okay. So I, of course I asked because that was my reason for not staying with Primerica long-term. And I told myself I'm going to take a break mm -hmm. and then my break is just extended. I think it's been, yeah. we might be right at a year now. Um, yeah. but for me, it felt like we're doing this job, um, and I understand hard work. I'm willing mm -hmm. to work hard. Um, but when life is really happening outside of the work, the dedication to be self-employed is something that I think gets overlooked. And yeah. the toll that that takes on you mentally is only enhanced if you're being attacked mentally outside of the job. Yes. Um, and you can't quit life. So you, like, <laughs> my thing was, I can't quit life. So I have to quit this, the job, yeah. the, the selling of Primerica, the trying to build the business, um, more so because it's added pressure. Mm -hmm. So how do you, cause you have lofty goals. You mm -hmm. want to live to the point where finance is never a part of the decision-making process. So how do you keep those same goals in mind? without putting too much pressure on yourself. There there was a point where a decision was made. And I say decision 
and I'm trying to put a lot of weight on that word because I think people make decisions, but they're they're not. It's not like there there's a back door still. Marriages, you know what I mean? Like I've been through a divorce. Yeah, I made a decision. There's a back door. If it ain't working out the way I wanted to work out, we get a dang divorce, and that's why divorces happen because there's an it's an option. Right. You heard the saying: if there was a back door to the Alamo, there'd be no dang heroes. All the people would have ran. Right. So there was a point where I made a decision and. The and it was it goes back to the first time my mom came and sat in my house. And this was very new in the business show. I mean, it wasn't I wasn't even full time yet, honestly. I was still part time in the business, but it was the fact this is the first time I ever saw my mom cry. And she came and sat in my house and she was just struggling financially. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna make this business work. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna pray about it, make sure everything's right, I'm gonna make this business work. And no matter <laughs> what I go through in life, it it does not change my goals. I tell people, your goals, and it, you, there's another, there's a video about this. Your goals do not care about your excuses. And some most every now and then people get offended by that. Because people have really, really good excuses on why not to go after the goal. Humans, we care. I would care. I'd be like, man, that's tough, bro. You, <laughs> you need to take a break. The goal doesn't care. The example I use, Shelman, is, okay, you, uh, you're you watching a baby right now. Um, I got a three-month-old baby, preemie. When she's hungry for a bottle, she's going to cry until she gets a bottle, right or wrong. Now, let's say I'm headed down the stairs to make her bottle. I don't have her in my arms, but I'm headed downstairs to make her bottle. I trip, hit a couple of them stairs, hit my head on the floor, my head's bleeding, and I'm like barely able to get up and walk. Does she be like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I don't need the bottle no more. Like, you, never mind. Don't worry about it. No, <laughs> she she doesn't care. She does not care that I need to go to the hospital. She wants the bottle, <laughs> Really good excuse for me not to make a bottle right then. She don't care. That's your goal. So once I decided, no matter what happens to me, go through a divorce, lose one of my uh, cousins. He dies from um, lupus, which is, you know, Bert, his, his, his brother. Lose two of my best friends in the same year from heart attacks. No life insurance. Right? You know, it's, it doesn't matter. It sucks. Yes, I got to take mental breaks. I got to take care of myself. The goal's still there. Right. So like Primerica at a certain point for me, remember, is a vehicle. So it nothing that happens in my life affects the pursuit of the goal. Right. Because the decision was already made year, years ago. Last thing, and then I'll move on. Winter's coming. Right? It's starting to get cold outside. You know it comes every year as long as we don't go home, depending on your belief. So what do you do? You get out all your dang coats and your sweaters and you prepare <laughs> for the cold. You don't give up on life. Be like, I ain't going outside. You just prepare for it. So that's you. if you know when you go join the army, you might lose a limb. You ain't all surprised because you got shot. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you signed up for that. <laughs> So when you go to self or self-employment entrepreneurship sales and you going out against the grain, like you said, 
you know you're going out with the you're going into uncharted territory and things in life are still going to happen. Not if, when you stub your pinky toe on the couch, you can't, you, you still got to go. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's kind of how that, where that came from. That's good. That's good. So I end every podcast the same way. I give our guests a chance to give their public servants announcement. So what is something you want to share with all public servants or people who aren't in the public service industry, but something that you could tell them that may help them understand what public service looks like and what that feels like outside of what they show on TV or what they put in the mainstream medium? Good. That's good. Um, I was Bible study the other day. We listened to T.D. Jakes and he, he said, serving is not subservient serving is not subservient and he just i mean obviously if you listen to td he drops some nuggets in your lap real quick and he said it takes strength to be submissive it takes a lot of strength to be submissive and a lot of times people don't see serving as leadership they see serving as beneath like a servant you know like <laughs> but you know, depending on your belief, Jesus washed, his, washed the feet of his disciples. So when you look at people that are public servants, I think a lot of times, depending on their occupation or their vocation, the, the society can see them as like lower rank. But you got some of the biggest leaders <laughs> in public serving because they understand that I got it, it, like it takes strength to serve people. It takes strength for me to be wanting the best for Shellman or wanting the best for this person and not receiving a whole bunch of accolades for it. Right. For sacrificing certain things and it not being highlighted or sometimes even looked at as you don't care. You know, you get a negative response every now and then being a public servant, you know, and so yeah. you you take those things and you just keep on going. Um but a lot of times I feel like public servants can be pin cushions. Mm -hmm. They just taking them, they just take the pins, you know, you take the stabs and you keep doing what you do because you know what you're doing is right. And you're serving for a bigger purpose. So it's not a lot for some people. It's not about the notoriety that may come from it. <laughs> it's about like, I really want to see you succeed and I'm trying, I'm staying up at night to come up with better ways to help you succeed, even if you don't believe you can at the particular moment in our particular business, that's what's going on. Except it's not with kids, it's with adults. Like I believe in you more than you believe in yourself. Let's figure out a way for us to help you believe in you so that you can win for you, your family and generation. So, Which is so much harder. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I appreciate that. Awesome. I, so again, I appreciate you coming on to the podcast and giving us a lot of knowledge, um, not just about financial literacy, but I think it was, I mean, we ended up going into more just about growth and about legacy and mindset and just giving us those nuggets of just little things we can do to affect our end goal. Yeah. Um, the biggest for me was just Stay in focus. The goal doesn't care about life happening. You have to stay on course. And that doesn't mean you don't veer off course. You do have to get back on course, though. Yep. Because the goal is at the end of 
the course. Um, and so I, I appreciate you coming on and sharing some of your knowledge with us. Um, and just taking the time, like I said, taking the time out of your day to um, help the people just yeah. to be, take two more steps into public service outside yeah. of your normal service job. This has been another wonderful episode of Public Servants Announcements. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking to y'all again.